pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. When Moulay Ismail bin Sharif became the Sultan of Morocco in the late 17th century, his goal was to control the Strait of Gibraltar, which would allow him to control trade between the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean. To achieve this, the Sultan besieged a Spanish-controlled city of Ceuta, bordering Morocco to claim control of the strait. Now, to emerge victorious in a siege, a military either needs to break through the defenses, disrupt the city's supplies so they starve or succumb to the disease, or hope that the prolonged conflict causes them to despair and surrender. The Sultan sent 40,000 troops to Ceuta and ordered them to farm the surrounding land in anticipation of a prolonged engagement. What nobody anticipated was the siege would be the longest in history, lasting 33 years. And Suda was still standing. The siege only ended because the Sultan himself died in 1727, and his dynasty fell apart due to infighting. Now, siege warfare was a regular occurrence throughout history, including biblical times. The most notable in the Old Testament was the siege against Jerusalem during the reign of King Hezekiah by the Assyrians under Sennacherib. This account is significant because we have insight from both the Bible and historical artifacts. You see, Sennacherib had his conquests written on large clay prisms so everyone knew of his achievements. Three of these still exist today that you can see in museums found in London, Jerusalem, and Chicago. On these prisms, Sennacherib had this to say, about King Hezekiah. I besieged, I captured 200,150 people, small and great, male and female, horses and mules and asses and camels and men, and sheep innumerable from their midst I brought out, and I reckoned them as spoil. Hezekiah himself, like a caged bird within Jerusalem, his royal city, I shut in. You would think after reading that, Hezekiah must have surrendered. But that wasn't the case. He prayed to God for deliverance, and the Lord sent an angel that killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. The Assyrian army didn't take Jerusalem. They went back the way they came. And let's look at Psalm 124 to read what Hezekiah probably felt about the siege after it was said and done. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side... Let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Sennacherib called Hezekiah a caged bird during the siege. Yet I imagine Hezekiah saw himself as a bird that escaped a hunter's snare. When Hezekiah was surrounded, he waited on the Lord's help rather than trust in his own strength. And I think he made the right decision. While our cities aren't surrounded... 
don't think for a minute you haven't seen siege warfare. Because spiritual warfare isn't waged on the battlefield. It's waged in your heart. The enemy we face isn't a mighty king. It's the face that looks back at us in the mirror. Our war is a war of attrition, as our selfish interests seek control of the citadel in our minds where our spiritual desires to serve God and be self-sacrificing reside. We see it in accounts like with Samson and Delilah, where Delilah continually pestered Samson for the secret of his strength until he couldn't take it anymore. I often feel like Samson, where the continued assaults on my fortified defenses are just too much to take, and I capitulate to sin's demands. Maybe you do too. I've had moments in my life where I feel like I'm trapped, and I have this overwhelming urge to just do anything to get out of that. When I act on my fears, I tend to end up in a worse situation than I started. It's the spiritual equivalent of fleeing a besieged city only to end up shot by the archers or captured and tortured. Whether it's anxiety about relationships, family, jobs, health, or any of the countless troubles we face, the flesh makes us feel we have to do something right now. Yet God only asks us to wait on him while he works out our troubles. When I told the story about the siege of Suda, I mentioned there were three things enemy armies want to accomplish when they besiege a city. They either want to destroy the fortifications, cut off the supplies, or demoralize them into surrendering. As our discipleship is under siege from internal and external temptations, we need to recognize these are sin's terms of victory. If we know this is how sin will overcome our lives, then it's up to us to develop countermeasures to ensure our fortress remains intact when sin seeks to conquer us. The fight against sin is a war of attrition. The temptations of the flesh will wear you down through repeated attempts. If we trust in flesh to defend against the flesh, we will lose every time. Rather than trusting in ourselves, we need to make God our refuge. In Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10, David wrote, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The fight against sin is a war of attrition. If a city does not have allies able to resupply them with food, its inhabitants will either starve or succumb to disease. If we do not receive a steady supply of spiritual nourishment into our hearts and minds, we will grow weak and be overrun by sin. In Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10, Solomon wrote, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. If we honor God by reading his word, and offering the best parts of our time and energy and efforts to him, he will supply all of our needs. The fight against sin is a war of attrition. If you could tell anyone who died fleeing Suda that the city wouldn't be overrun even after 30 years, do you think they would still leave? Our greatest advantage we have in the war against sin 
is knowing how it ends. Though sin is a strong enemy that we can't overcome, our God is so much greater than our problems. Victory was already achieved when Christ died and was risen from the dead. No matter how intimidating the challenges of our life may be, we will overcome if we align ourselves with Christ's victory over sin and death. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 57 and 58, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And let's reflect on the example of our Lord Jesus, who overcame the siege of sin throughout his whole life. Just as the residents of Suda endured a 33-year-long siege by the sultan, our Lord Jesus endured 33 years of temptations, even to the point of dying on the cross. Just as the siege of Suda only ended due to the death of the sultan, sin's siege against us will only end when Christ returns to eradicate sin. Though we may feel trapped as a caged bird today, God has freed us from the snare of sin. While we wait for that day, let us put our trust in God. Let us allow him to nourish us. And let us trust in his impending victory over sin and death. To conclude, let's read from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10, as well as verses 16 through 18. As you listen to this passage, I hope you can appreciate the language Paul uses of a discipleship under siege as well as the surpassing hope we have in Christ to endure the spiritual siege waged against us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pause to Consider. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you share it with your friends and with your loved ones. And if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on my Facebook and Instagram pages for Pause to Consider. But above anything else, I hope this episode was helpful for you. And I pray that God will be with you until we meet again, whether it be on our next episode or in God's kingdom. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pause to Consider. I'm Levi, and I wanted to be sure you've heard about a few other podcasts in the WCF network. I am actually one of the co-hosts on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell.
That's a little faith. Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships in From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or our website, wcfoundation.org slash podcasts. Have a great week.